Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome to the Locked On Flyers podcast for Friday, December 17th, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high-quality content that is so happy for Jackson Cates getting his first NHL goal. You always love to see that. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Lockdown Flyers. Keep up to date on all the Flyers news and our episodes. You can also email the show at LockdownFlyers at gmail.com. I'm Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at our Miriam. And on today's show, we're going to talk about last night's three to two shootout loss to the Montreal Canadiens. We have a lot to say about it. Then we're going to preview Saturday's game against the Ottawa Senators with my good friend Ross Levitan from the Locked on Sense podcast. And we'll wrap up with our gritty thing of the week. Locked on Flyers is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you are listening right now. So subscribe and you will get all of our episodes here on the Locked on Sports Network. All right, so going into this game, it was a very weird day, y'all. I don't know how you guys are feeling about it out there, but things were pretty chaotic in the land of sports and the NHL and the world with everything that's going on with COVID. And As far as the Flyers go, we do not have any reports of any additional positive tests beyond uh, Morgan Frost that we already knew about. Of course, Jackson Cates got that call up to replace him and turned into his first goal. So there you go, kid. Mikey O did say that a whole bunch of the guys have gotten the booster. He doesn't know the exact number, but they're just trying to work it in where they have a day off to recover from it. So I think that's a good sign as well. But what was a very eerie sign and gave us all flashbacks was the empty arena in Montreal. Man, that was tough to see again. I can't lie about that. The game itself, I think, felt about as empty as those stands, I think, from a Flyers perspective. They just didn't have it in this game. It was really disappointing, especially because they had been on that three-game win streak. And while the games weren't perfect, you felt like there was a steady progression in each of the three games. And they played their best in the most recent game against the Devils. And we've been talking on the show all week about winning those winnable games. And we really thought that this game against the Habs was one of those very winnable games, given how Montreal has been playing. You know, this game snapped a seven-game losing streak for the Habs. And yeah, it's just, it's one they absolutely should have had. And I think there were a few main problems there. First off, they looked really slow. It just felt like they were skating in quicksand and they were being a lot more, I would say, reactionary to things and like half a second behind what they really needed to be doing that. In the previous game, it just felt like they were anticipating things well and that they had a lot more speed to their game. And I think that made a huge difference in them getting a slow start. And 
they did actually pick it up over the course of the game. You look at the underlying numbers, it absolutely confirms that. But at the same time, none of those third period shots were high danger. And just kind of looking at their shot choices and the locations, they were a little bit more spread out than I thought they should have been. Like they weren't really getting enough net front. I think at that point, the Habs had two good things going for them to keep them in this game, where they ultimately tied it and then forced the shootout, where Caden Primo was playing really well, and he was just dialed in at that point. Um, you know, we talked about it on yesterday's show with the Lockdown Canadiens host that he had just, you know, really taken leaps and bounds forward in his st- in his gameplay, getting side to side. And of course, we saw that when Max Wellman was stopped for what was almost his second goal of the game where he was able to get that pad over and prevent the puck from getting in the net there. But also the Habs were blocking shots like crazy and nothing was getting through. And I think the Flyers just needed to be a little bit more creative and a little bit more deliberate about what they were choosing to do. In the overtime, especially when they had that power play opportunity, I really felt like for at least a big chunk of it, they were a little too stagnant, that they were moving the puck around, but they were staying stationary. And so again, you know, we've seen this for the Flyers in the past where the other team can defend against it pretty easily because they just have very specific lanes they have to cover as opposed to having multiple shooting lanes that each of them have to cover uh, on the penalty kill. And I think that's just the biggest part of what went wrong for the Flyers here. And I don't want to be pessimistic about this here, where I want to believe that that three-game win streak and what we saw there is more of what we can expect from this team. But the problem is, is that when you had a 10-game losing streak where this game against Montreal, which again was an absolutely winnable game, you know, looks a lot like what we saw in that 10 game losing streak. It is concerning. And I'm not going to deny that. I don't think I want to, you know, flip a table and say, tear it down to pieces at this point yet. But I think it's going to be very difficult to play even remotely like they did in this game versus Montreal when they face an Ottawa team on Saturday that has been playing really, really well. I think that game is going to be a real test for the Mike Yo head coaching era and that can he get this team to turn it around on one game, right? Where that first game that they lost in his first night as head coach, things were in chaos and maybe that was to be expected, but you know, things did get a little better and you saw the team playing with purpose. And like I said, this game was just a complete and total backslide of all of this. So can Mike Yo get this squad to recover quickly? I think that's a really important thing in terms of evaluating him as a potential permanent head coach and removing that interim tag off of his title 
remains to be seen. I, I think that there were some interesting choices in the game last night as well, personnel-wise. Uh, we saw, for instance, Patrick Brown out in the overtime, and I was just wondering why he didn't shorten the bench entirely during that overtime period. So I have that question. And I think there will be a lot of questions for Mike Yo in the weeks to come. There will also be a lot of questions about whether or not we play NHL games in the weeks to come uh, as things kind of get a little crazy when it comes to the COVID situation right now. And there's going to be a lot to talk about there as well, which we will get to in next week's shows. But assuming games are continuing in the NHL and for the Flyers specifically, we're going to look ahead to Saturday night's matchup against the Ottawa Senators with our friend Ross from Locked On Sense. That's Ross, not Russ of this show. But first, we're going to talk about Built Bar. And Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar, or even better than that, to be honest. It's filled with so much holiday goodness. It's covered in chocolate, but it's amazingly low in calories, sugar, net carbs, and fat but high in protein. You get the best of both worlds. And there's so many flavors to choose from. You're going to have a hard time choosing. Are you going to have the raspberry or the mint brownie, the cherry or the double chocolate, cookies and cream or peanut butter brownie? Built Bar gives you that extra fuel you need to bust down those small doors and battle all the holiday shoppers. Built Bar can give you that little something extra you need to keep you going. So throw one in your jacket or your purse. You never know when you're going to need it. Want to cozy up with something warm? Here's a fun holiday secret. Dip that Built Bar into a piping hot cup of cocoa. You let it melt a little bit and you get a little bit of that Built Bar flavor included. It is so good. And if you like some of those marshmallowy treats you get around the holidays, get your hands on Built Bar Puffs. They're light, fluffy, and marshmallowy through and through with different flavors, all covered in chocolate. It tastes so good, you won't believe it's filled with protein. So go to Built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. I've been hearing a lot about Stance Apparel lately, especially because they just launched a new line of active apparel. Plus, it's holiday gifting time and Stance is the coolest gift you can give. I cannot tell you how incredibly comfortable and well-made their socks, their shirts, their joggers, and their hoodies are. And they're miles above the boring old socks and underwear that we'd always have to settle for back in the day. Stance changed their mindset by offering color, comfort, and creativity like no other. Stance Apparel represents a radical reinvention of socks and underwear and other active apparel. They have a sharp focus on comfort, quality, and creativity. They've got an atypical aesthetic alongside some of pop culture's hottest collaborators for the ultimate in style and self-expression. Because everything you wear should be a direct extension of who you are and how you feel. Some of their cool collabs that I love are the Star Wars and Marvel socks. They're so cute. Stance believes that the perfect fit matters more than fitting in. If you feel good, you do good. So go see for yourself. Register for an account at stance.com and get 15% off your purchase. Use the promo code LOCKEDON at checkout to apply. Enjoy the color and comfort of a life less ordinary with Stance. 
Once again, thanks for making Locked On Flyers your first listen every day. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast. They recap every NHL game every day with the analysis from our local experts, including us. So subscribe to Locked On Now on your favorite podcast platform. All right, so to uh, preview Saturday night's matchup versus the Ottawa Senators, I am so happy to welcome to the show from Locked On Senators, Ross Levitan. Welcome. Thanks, Rachel. Really appreciate you having me. So going into this season, I would say expectations were pretty low for the Senators, uh, knowing you were midstream in your rebuild. But the team has had a pretty darn good December so far, winning against some of the top teams like the Avs and the Panthers. You shut out the Lightning. So what do you think accounts for that? Yeah, it's great to see. Uh, November was a difficult month. Not only was Ottawa the first team to shut down due to COVID uh, protocol, they had, I think it was seven days in a row, one player added and added. And out finally, after 10 plus a coach, they canceled, postponed, I should say, three games. And that was during a stretch where Ottawa won one out of 12 games in November. And things have definitely turned around. But Going back to what you said about expectations, the management team actually accelerated expectations with the rebuild coming out, saying they're stepping in to another zone. And they went out and made a couple of peculiar offseason moves, including bringing in a fl- former flyer in Michael Delzato, signing him to a multi-year deal at $2 million per. Right. So you're like, you're like, what's going on here? You've got a lot of kids developing, more on the way. Uh, most notably, Jake Sanderson, who everyone will get to see up close and personal at the World Juniors probably wearing the captaincy for Team USA, but they needed a bit of a stopgap. It was just interesting how they went about it and the move with Matt Murray last year. Those two just haven't worked out, and now Delzato and Murray both find themselves in Belleville. $8.5 million worth of salary down there, and for a team that isn't known to give out money that liberally, for them to, to realize they needed to cut bait, that was an important moment for this team, and since then, the kids have just really took, taken it from there. Their top line, 22 years old, 22 years old, 23 years old, but they've combined for 56 points. Now I know you get three on certain goals, right? But 56 goals in the last or points rather in the last 18 games. So they've come to play. They're one of the hottest lines in hockey and a huge reason for the recent success, along with a PK, their penalty kill hasn't given up a goal in five games. They're on an 11 for 11 run right now against the lightning and Panthers and back-to-back games. So those are two real reasons again. And then goaltending, of course, why they've been able to steady the ship here in December. That'll be interesting to see if the Flyers get some power play time because the Flyers power play is just starting to get its mojo back. So up against a tough team like that, uh, I'm very interested to see how that pans out on both ends. Yeah, no question. And uh, Sens fans will be watching for Claude Giroux, obviously a local product, uh, uh, born in Hurst, go but there? grew up in Ottawa. We don't have to. And I don't <laughs> think the right move, even if the Flyers do agree that it's time to move on and get assets, I think the the perfect situation for Ottawa would be to wait until free agency because they're at, as you mentioned, a stage in the rebuild where most of the pieces are there. But do you really want to give up on some of them just yet? Now, like a couple names, obviously Ridley Gregg's dad, who was a first round pick for Ottawa, works for the Flyers and played for them back in the day. So you've got that uh, connection from from there. But if I'm the Senators, I'm staying away from uh, making a trade that you really have to give up assets. And Drew's such a great player leading the Flyers and scoring. You know, they're not just going to give them away. So it's a pipe dream, one we like to have fun with at Send Central on Twitter. But uh, realistically, 
the Flyers are going to be asking for a lot, and rightfully so. Take take into account the 34-year-old uh, in age, but, man, his production just continues to uh, to remain constant as one of the best point producers in the NHL. What just gets Sens fans excited, though, you got that top line right now. I mentioned Brady Kachuk, who's been on an absolute tear since being named captain. 10 goals, 18 points in those 16 games. Then you have Josh Norris with 14 goals on the year and Drake Batherson. Only guy I didn't mention there is Tim Stutzla. who's was a 19-year-old kid who just came into third most points as a teenager in Sens history. But they're looking for a talented player to play on his wing. And that's where the, the murmurs turn into a bit of, of a rumor mill there. Right. With Claude Giroux. Well, Claude Giroux, I think, is only going anywhere if the Flyers are really in the tank and he wants yeah. to go somewhere to win a cup. And I don't think Ottawa is that this No year. chance. No chance. But everyone has a story about seeing Claude Giroux around town. Obviously, he's got a young family. His wife's from Ottawa. So a lot of Sens fans having fun connecting the dots and say, hey, what a great place to sign a two, three year deal to end off his career. And maybe step into a management or development role after that. Yeah, well, Claude Drew is my birthday twin, so he's not going anywhere. It's, <laughs> there you go. It's <laughs> according to me, he's not going anywhere. Yeah, um, breaking I, news. I, I do want to talk uh, to you a little bit about Brady Kachuk because, you know, we all know that he held out to the very end of training camp but signed that seven year deal. What did you think about that contract versus a shorter term bridge deal that maybe he wanted? They needed to get him locked up long-term no question and i i thought it was a great move that they were able to get it done on the day of the season opener the vibes were so good i was in ottawa my hometown for uh for that game and brady wasn't dressed obviously missing training camp you're not going to throw him into the fire just like that he ended up sitting out the first three games of the year just as he got accustomed back in practice but he was at the game firing up the crowd did his frank the tank Sally. if you've ever seen the movie old school mm -hmm. the will ferrell character he likes to break that out after a goal here or there but he is the heartbeat of this team and it was no question that a long-term contract would mean captain the c on his chest and that, they waited a little while sure but it was uh, it was a no brainer, at least for me. This guy is he was the number one asset of the rebuild. Things fell apart so suddenly after that run to the conference final game seven, double overtime goal away from the Stanley Cup final. And then as things unraveled the next year, they had already made the Duchesne trade and they gave up a first round pick in that. So at the draft, they could have given Colorado the fourth overall pick, gotten rid of it and then regroup for a proper rebuild starting in 2019. But they decided to forego as a top 10 protected pick. So they decided to forego knowing they'd probably be just as, if not worse the next year, if you can be worse than last place, because they were going to get rid of Eric Carlson <laughs> and these other names. So you immediately thought like, okay, if, if they're serious about taking a player here, they must really believe in him. And certainly that's what ended up happening. This guy is, all you, all you can wish for in a captain, right? He'll lead your group into battle, sort of like Claude Giroud's done over the years, right? Even Mike Richards before him. They're the types of captains that aren't afraid to get involved physically. Now, do the Sens want Brady Kachuk leading the NHL in fighting majors like he did last year? Probably not in the long term, but he's not afraid of anyone. Among the guys he's fought, Shea Weber, Blake Wheeler, like this, he's not going after little uh, competition who he's got a size advantage of, P.K. Subban as well as felt his wrath. And 
Um, obviously most recently had his spurt with uh, Brandon Lemieux that involved a five game suspension after he was bit twice in that scrum. But since being bit a lot, a lot of great content actually on Sen's Twitter, someone posted uh, him with the super uh, Spider-Man costume, you know, he gets bit and then turns into right. a superhero. <laughs> and, and since that bite, he's like fifth in the league right now in points over this last stretch. He had his first career hat trick against the Tampa Bay lightning, a natural hat trick at that in a four, nothing victory. And they followed it up with a goal last night. Although when you score the seventh goal out of eight, uh, you know, maybe it's not got that same glamor for it, but He's just on another level right now. A guy who scored eight goals in his last seven games. So many people knew that there was the intangibles that Brady Kachuk would bring, much like his father before him. But he has so much untapped offensive potential that makes it a steal at $8.2 million in mine. And I believe the majority of Sens fans' opinions. We'll have more of my conversation with Ross coming up next, as well as our gritty thing of the week. But in the meantime, Bet Online has you covered all season long with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues the march to the playoffs. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code Locked On to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. I also want to talk to you a little bit more about Josh Norris, who you mentioned. Uh, he seems to be having a really nice run. Uh, what does he contribute to the Sens? And then a couple other things. His uh, ELC is up. So what's that contract yes. looking like? And if the NHL actually does go to the Olympics, though it's not looking likely at this point, uh, does he have a shot at Team USA? He should. I would say that his right wingers probably got should have a better chance of making Team Canada, which is probably even a harder team to crack. But Drake Batherson is ridiculous. Drake Batherson's a fourth-round pick mm -hmm. who has just accelerated since the day he was drafted. He grew four inches that summer after being passed over the first draft, and he's just become an unbelievable power forward. Now, I discuss Drake Batherson as I lead into Josh Norris because Drake Batherson has assists on 10 of Norris's 14 goals this year, and nine of those assists are primary. So it's Batherson and Norris to the back of the net. And that was the case in Belleville. Both Brandon Pillar, my co-host on Locked On Senators, and I both worked for the Belleville Senators when we were living in Toronto. We'd make the trek down for all their home games. And these two were unbelievable together. Josh Norris ultimately won Rookie of the Year down there, scored 32 or over 30 goals as a 20-year-old in the AHL. And that was coming off a major injury that he had at the World Juniors the year before with Team USA. He was assistant captain there. He was a part of the Eric Carlson trade too. So he came over in that rebuild stage. And the first thing that Pierre Dorian said about Josh Norris was very, uh, I'll say he said it with a little bit of attitude. Well, he's Brady Kachuk's best friend. Those two played together at the world, uh, the U S program for two years. And there was always that natural chemistry between them. So they found this top line where Josh Norris is a shoot first centerman. He actually just scored his 30th NHL goal last night, or I should say this coming out Friday. So I should say, uh, the other night on Tuesday in Florida, and he became the second fastest senator to reach 30 goals behind only Alexi Ashen, who was a second round pick way back 
when in 1992, their first draft after becoming a team. So when you look at what company he keeps, it's just getting better and better. So if you're looking for him on the power play, I know as a Flyers fan, you get to see Ovechkin a lot. He's on the alternate side, but in that one-timer zone, and he's right. absolutely he's absolutely lethal there. Shabbat's got 16 assists, no goals this year, because he's just feeding Norris on the power play, and they work their offense tremendously through that area. And uh, Maybe a dark horse for the Olympics, just because he's so unknown, but the numbers are there, and if you're already going to bring Brady Kachuk, you've got that built-in chemistry where – why not throw Matthew Kachuk on the right wing and really see what could happen? What a nightmare that team would be no <laughs> in the best doubt. way possible. Yeah, I think he'd be in tough because obviously you've got your Austin Matthews as your number one center. And if Jack Eichel, which he seems like he's still on the radar for Team USA, that's clearly your one-two punch. I don't punch. know. We'll yeah, see. yeah. And then, so yeah, maybe he gets into a situation where it's him or Jack Hughes for a fourth line spot, but that just shows you the, tremendous upswing in value that Josh Norris has seen his stock rise since being just one of seven assets that came back for Eric Carlson. Like you'd think if he's that big of a player, number one center in the league, you wouldn't have to give up the two NHL bodies, the other prospect, a first round pick that with some luck became third overall in Tim Stutzla. And you're looking at a situation where a trade that was in no means even meant to be a win. Like you would just be happy in breaking even. Eric Carlson is such a generational talent. And now you're you're looking at this saying, wow, Ottawa won that trade. And uh, that just makes you shake your head, really. I think we're going to be looking back at that trade for quite some time in the NHL. That, yeah. Yeah, I think the league's better when Ottawa is good. And I think that trade is going to be a touchstone point. Yeah, do, doing a podcast on the Ottawa Senators is also a lot more fun when the team's good. I'll tell you that for free. <laughs> uh, I, the only reason I was sorry, I was starting to cut you off there was I already mentioned Alexi Ashen, and this trade was like 20 years earlier, but it also really accelerated a time. So Ottawa was just starting to get good and make the playoffs for the first few times. They end up trading a disgruntled Alexi Ashen. What comes back? Zdeno Chera and Jason Spezza. And then you look at how the next 10 years unfolded being a perennial contender. So it's just to your point how you can make one trade and it can really lead to some dominance for the next few years. Who do you think we'll see in net on Saturday? I'm glad you brought this up because Anton Forsberg's a name that needs to be discussed if you're looking at the turnaround for the Ottawa Senators. He had a sub 900 save percentage through his first eight games. It was not pretty, ultimately leading to him being in the press box before they decided to send Matt Murray down. They were really trying to find out who was it going to be? Was it going to be Philip Gustafson, who's an up and coming prospect who they really like? And he's shown well at the NHL, although maybe a drop off in performance of late. And then Anton Forsberg comes in. He's won his last five starts. So Ottawa is in Tampa Bay on Thursday and they got to keep rolling the hot hand. So I think you'll see Anton Forsberg on Thursday, the Flyers streaking, not a game that the Sens can take easy. Not that they can ever take an opponent easy. You're looking at a 30th place team, even though they've won five of six. Um, so you might see Anton Forsberg or because it, it will have been almost two weeks since for, uh, Gustafson's gotten back in the net, you could see the young Swede uh, get his uh, minutes in against Philly on Saturday. Well, I think it's going to be an interesting matchup given that the Flyers seem to be back on an upswing and Ottawa is in the same boat. I mean, Flyers are playing the Habs in between this game and uh, when I'm recording this with you, but you'd have to think the Flyers would win against Montreal at this point. Is Scott Lawton going to be in the lineup? 
on Saturday. Should be. Should well, be. We, we know there's some beef between him and Brady Kachuk going back to uh, Brady's rookie year. So maybe some fireworks, obviously. Um, there's a long history of that between Philly and Ottawa, that enormous line brawl. I think the most uh, penalty minutes in a single game in NHL history, one of, if not the most. So maybe we'll get to see uh, another brawl down in, in Philly on Broad Street. Who knows? Well, we'll see. I know TK does get a little spicy out there, so... Uh, we'll we'll see how that goes, and with a uh, Ristolainen in there as well, I think that could bode well for the game getting a little chippy in a fun way. Oh yeah, they have to be. It's all fun. I'm looking at it right now. It's an NHL record of 419 penalty minutes from that game. Always a good YouTube search. Flyers sends brawl. <laughs> yeah, those were the days. Oh yeah, a little bit different of a game here. Hey, the Sens are rolling, so it'll be a fun one on Saturday for sure. Yeah. All right, Ross, thank you so much for joining me today. This was so much fun. Absolutely. Great to get to put a face to name. We obviously see your work with Locked On Flyers and keep it up. It's going to be a fun stretch here through the winter and uh, hopefully into a spring full of playoff hockey. You got it. All right, so wrapping up with our gritty thing of the week, there was a few fun things this week, one of which was kind of an adventure. So there was a wreath that looks like gritty that was apparently stolen somewhere in South Philly, and it was posted up to Facebook, and uh, Stephanie Farr reposted an image of it on Twitter, And it's this amazing homemade wreath that looks just like Gritty with giant googly eyes. And it was such a shame because the the wreath is so beautiful. And then Gritty got in on the action as well by basically threatening whoever stole it. But, you know, that's Gritty. That's what Gritty does. Uh, Gritty said, if you don't return the wreath, I will look for you, I will find you, and I will cake you. Which, you know, that's how Gritty operates is uh, throwing cake at people. So... I would return the wreath if I were you. If you're out there and you have that wreath, I would return it because it is beautiful and it deserves to be on the door of the person who made it. The other bigger thing Gritty got up to this week was going to the iHeartRadio Jingle Ball and Gritty ran into Dixie D'Amelio on the red carpet and I'm not sure entirely like what she does other than sing, but Gritty seemed to be excited to see her on the red carpet and also at the show. So there was a TikTok and an Instagram post and a tweet about it. So clearly it was very important. Um, the other few things, uh, Gritty was playing Keep Away on a high five with a fan, which was kind of mean, but also funny. So, you know, we'll take it, Gritty. And then, of course, when Cam Atkinson got that hat trick, Gritty threw his hat out onto the ice. I always love seeing the big hat that's cartoonishly bigger than everybody else's hat. And like, I wonder how many of those they have made just sitting there just in case. Um, they are very cute and I wonder if you can like buy one of those for charity or something. That would be cool. And then the last one was not something official, but, uh, a Congresswoman, Mary Gay Scanlon, who represents Delco, 
uh, decided to do her holiday office decoration outside the door that involved stuff from Wawa, which, of course, and a inflatable gritty outside the door, which is uh, it's pretty cute. So good on you. That'll do it for today's show. We will be back again on Monday when we will talk about the results of Saturday's game against Ottawa, assuming it moves forward, that is. And we will have our nemesis of the week as well. As a reminder, we always want to hear from you. So send us in your thoughts, your feelings, your mailbag questions via Twitter at LockedOnFlyers, or you can email the show at LockedOnFlyers at gmail.com. I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. Thanks for listening to us first today, but make your second listen Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q, with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. Have a great weekend, everyone.